Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Steve McMillan, CEO of Concrete Even Shoe Brand. And I absolutely love, love, love the Love Thy Neighbor podcast. It's absolutely phenomenal, especially when, when it's exposing biblical truths that have been become just a part of our culture. Um, things that are exposing the truth and light and things that we've kind of just taken on that we just thought were just okay. And just the sound doctrine and just the being unashamed about the truth. That's what I love about it more than anything. And it's definitely challenging me. It's challenging me in my faith, in my mindset, and in my walk with God as well. It's absolutely phenomenal. I love it. And um, you absolutely definitely should be a supporter of this. It's so amazing. I look forward to listening to it every single week. God bless you and welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson. This week on Love Thy Neighbor, we're going to have a conversation with a man who was a pastor for 10 years and is now living as a missionary right in his own neighborhood. We're going to join Daniel Whitworth on his journey to missional living right here on Love Thy Neighbor. Tune in. Listen up. I'll be right back. Welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson. And today on Love Thy Neighbor, I have a a great friend, Daniel Whitworth, uh, that I met. And this guy has a wonderful story that I can't wait for him to share. Uh, Daniel, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. It's sunny and warm outside, so that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Now, where where are you where, where are you at in the world? <laughs> so I live in uh, Newport News, Virginia. So wow. by the ocean, and uh, yeah, so the East Coast, kind of the middle of the East Coast. So we're just now finally getting into actual spring, <laughs> which is nice. So, well, yeah. at least you guys get a real spring in Colorado. We just Man, we get all four seasons in one day. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, yeah. Ne- we never we do know. sometimes, but at least it does warm up. We don't get we hardly ever get snow. <laughs> so we get we get a lot of that. We get a lot of that definitely. So, uh, Daniel, what what do, what do you do for a living right now? What's going on as far as well right now? Uh, me and my wife run. Uh, we're self-employed. We run an online business um, that she is a registered nurse and she tutors nursing students. And so she has a website that she does that through. And so right now uh, I'm being more of a dad than anything else. But uh, that's kind of what I'm doing professionally. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, and, and we can't we can't undervalue that. Right. You know, yes, especially well, with- I do have six kids, so it's not just a small thing. <laughs> right, right. How long you guys been married? We have been married for 16 years, and awesome. we have six children. Age the, the oldest one will be 12 in a few weeks, and then it's every two years after that. Wow. With the youngest one be turning one in May. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. You have your hands full. That's why I said we don't want to undervalue, (laughs) you know, that as a uh, I remember they used to to put out a stat years ago and I don't know what it is now. But the stay at home mom, um, if you quantified what 
her jobs are, she would make about one hundred sixteen thousand dollars a year if you were to pay her. Oh yeah, at least. <laughs> at so least. so stay at home dad, you 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 up there, man. You you making them six yep. figures. <laughs> yeah, you know. But um, man, I I just um, man, we 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 met through um your podcast, um, mm-hmm. audience of one. Uh, how did that podcast come to be? What's the vision behind that? Yeah, so it's called Living for an Audience of One. And the concept of Audience of One is something that I came up with years ago, taught about it and such. But the podcast itself started really because I, so I'm, I'm a former pastor. I did 10 years um, as a pastor. And so I've been out of the pulpit for about a year, year and a half. And it's just, I'm a teacher. I love teaching. I love the whole prep process of teaching. And so I was missing it honestly, (laughs) missing it. And so my wife had often um, encouraged me to do a podcast, but I was like, yeah, no one's going to listen, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and so what happened was my friend, a friend of mine wanted to listen to some of my sermons that were on YouTube, but he couldn't listen to them on YouTube at his work. He needed it in podcast form. So that was kind of the trigger that said, all right, I guess I'll do a podcast. And so I started it back in January. It hasn't been very long. And initially it was going to be just doing sermons that I used to do, but now it's kind of transformed into more of a journey blog about this uh, missional living that God has um, put us into. So that's, that's kind of how it began. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's similar to my story. Um, When I first started podcasting a few years ago, um, that's what I was doing. I was just posting messages from Sunday service and I, you know, I went back to the drawing board. I said, God, is that really <laughs> what yeah. you want me to do? And that's when, you know, I really started pressing into what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to go into some, you know, some biblical teaching and then mm-hmm. to connect with other believers um, with the hope of their stories, with the teaching, being a witness to the world. Right. You know, one of the beautiful things about podcasting um, especially, you know, with these different platforms, the specific platform that we're on anchor is that mm-hmm. they do all the hosting for you and yeah. you're, they're putting you in people's cars and living rooms and mm-hmm. earphones all around the world. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, wow. So people are hearing me all over the world. And so what, what an awesome opportunity yeah, to share. It really is. And it's, they do make know. it super easy and it's free. I mean, can't get better than that. Right. So what an awesome opportunity. And so, yeah, um, same journey for me. I had to uh, shift it to what, you know, what people Mm -hmm. hear now on the podcast versus what I did in the very, very beginning. And so Mm -hmm. um, what so what is your passion? You know, what what is the thing that you really you're passionate about right now? Well, what I'm passionate about now is what I mentioned. It's this missional living. It's, you know, it's, it's been a transition for me. So I, you know, I grew up in church. I left the church, joined the Navy. God found me in the submarine. And then I became a pastor. And I did that for 10 years. And I, the, the kind of church that I was was like one of those seeker-oriented churches. But the, the whole church world, church life, is very much a... Uh, pull yourself away from the world, and we kind of stay in this clustered church world, this bubble that we live in. And then I heard a statistic 
several years ago that upwards of 90% of the local population in my area was not in church. And I was just like, what, what are we doing? What are we like, doing? <laughs> this is not working. And so, so God just started really changing something in me. He, it caused me to meet a, a, someone who's become a good friend of mine. I've read a lot of books. And so now I really just have just this strong desire to literally just become friends with all of my neighbors and eventually tell them about Jesus. And so it's it's not – the idea of missional living is not about trying to get them to come to a church with me. In fact, I'm not even going to a church right now, but that's another story. <laughs> um <laughs> And so it, it really is about b- being this idea of a missionary in my neighborhood. If it's true, if it's true that 90%, even if it's true that 50% right, right. of my neighbors do not know Jesus and they're not interested at all in coming to a church, then how are they going to hear about the gospel? And we send missionaries overseas to these places that have statistics like that and we think we're doing a good thing. But like there's there's a desperate need right here. And the challenge is, is that you can't just go at them with some brochure, some, you know, canned speech. You have to actually get to a point where they're asking you, Yeah. where they're asking you. And so that takes time and it takes just being friends with people. And so really that, that is my passion right now. That is why I believe God moved us to Newport News. We, uh, up until not even six months ago, we lived in Virginia Beach, which is, not that far from here, but it's across a bridge tunnel, so it's effectively like a different state. Right, right, um, right. And so he just moved us after 14 years into this house in, in uh, Newport News, and I, I can already see some of the ways he's enabling us to connect with the neighbors, and I truly believe it's so that we could be missionaries to this neighborhood and maybe even eventually this city. I don't know, but right now it's... Uh, yeah, that's that's so that's my passion, and I think God has arranged it both with my job, what I do vocationally. Like I said, I was a pastor before; He pulled me out of that, and then I worked for the Crisis Pregnancy Center in uh, Southampton Roads for a while. But then, just a few months ago, He kind of gave me a way out and still provided for us financially. And so now, I have the freedom and the means to literally be a missionary in my neighborhood, and so. Uh, that's 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 where my heart's at. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, and I think and I think it's beautiful <clears throat> because it is causing you to live out mm-hmm. this great commission. Um, one of the challenges, you know, as a pastor, is how do I get people to live this beyond the come and see, come and hear. Right you know, to go and do, right? right? I call it the come sit, listen, and leave. <laughs> right, you know, instead of come and listen and be sent, right? Right, right. We should be sending you out to do the work of the Lord in your apartment complex, in your neighborhoods, um, uh, with the time and the talent that you have, you know, um, yeah. the, the, the vision, you know, that, that, that God has given me it actually wasn't, I tell people a lot of times, I don't actually have a vision. Yeah, yeah. I have the Bible, yep. <laughs> right? And with the yep. Bible, I see what God was doing. And I say, mm-hmm. how do you do that here? 
Right. And then God then says, here's how you go do that. Um, and I believe that that's for every believer. Yes. Right. Every believer. It's not I mean, just... it's very clear. <laughs> the great the great commission wasn't just for the paid professionals. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Come on. <laughs> this, this I call it our marching orders. Like this is what Jesus this is the orders he gave just before he went to heaven and said, all right, all of you <laughs> do this. All of you. <laughs> Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure on this missional journey, one of the manuscripts that really lays it out is the book of Acts. Right. Yeah. The, the book mm-hmm. of Acts for me has always it's always drawn me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think about in Acts chapter eight, after the persecution of Stephen, that mm-hmm. the believers were scattered, scattered. Right. Yeah. Um, and so often. You know, we we don't see the scattering, you know. Yeah. OK, you're equipped, you're built up, you know, because the first church was a mega church. Yeah. <laughs> and a yeah. lot of people don't really. In one day, right? I, come on. <laughs> the, the, the first church was a legitimate mega church. Right. Yeah. With, you know, and we can debate about conversions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Those were true conversions. Right. We, You know, some people yeah. would say. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, we led 3,000. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think these were legit. <laughs> these, were, these, these were legit because you look at the, 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 the lifestyle change, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so those individuals reached more individuals. Mm-hmm. And then there came this time where they were scattered. And so yeah. once they were scattered, that's when the, 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 the gospel really spread. It was spreading, right? right? But when they were scattered, that's when it really took on a global perspective. And I really believe that our, our churches aren't being effective is because we're not sending people back home to their house and saying, reach those people around you, build relationships with them. Maybe at some point they'll actually come to church with you, but whether they do or not, you still have to reach them, you know? And so for you on this journey, um, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you were just talking about the differences, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the model that we have been using, right, mm-hmm. versus the model that it, it looks like the Bible uses, those two right. things are, are not the same, are they? They're not the same, no, <laughs> no. And uh, the challenge is, is that the model we've been using is steeped in our culture. We've been doing it for centuries, actually. So, yeah. Oftentimes it can sound like I'm bashing the institutional church because I see a lot of problems with it. I'm a, I'm a former engineer. I did computer engineering for a while. And so for me, it's very much when I see a system that doesn't produce the desired results, right. that means there's something wrong with the system. And what the current church paradigm system is creating, is producing, is consumers. Yeah. Consumers. We, you know, and they, they, go, they go to church every Sunday. They listen to a message. But if you asked them a day later what the message was about, they couldn't tell you. Right. And again, it's not that they're bad people. It's not that the pastors are like doing anything wrong. It's just that the system is set up to feel more like entertainment than actual like learning to do. And that's mostly because no one is ever held accountable. Right. Like there's no accountability to actually do the things that are talked about on Sunday morning. And so for me, once I kind of figured that out, 
that's why I had to stop because <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not a, you know, I'm a systems kind of person and if the system isn't working, we have to do something different. And so the, the real challenge, I think, is that consumers, you know, you watch a TV show, you're not expected to like do something different with your life because of it. Right, 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 right. 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 You know, just even if it's a good documentary, even if it's like a workout video, you know, like none of those things really bring about change. And so unfortunately, the 30 or 40 minute sermon kind of has the same effect. It's it's been kind of just in our psychology, it's become that sadly. And again, it's no one's fault. It's no one's fault. And they're not no one's like a bad person because they've fallen into this. It's just that it's a rut we got to get out of. And so part of that is recognizing it for what it is. And so what really in these, you know, so some of the things that I think that stop a lot of church people from being missional is that it feels like such a huge and daunting task. Right. They think of missionaries as people that devote their entire lives. They uproot their house and they move across the, the world to another country. They learn a new language and all this. I'm like, oh, that's too much for me. Like I, I, I work nine to five. I, I can't do that. And so that's kind of that, you know, just separation. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that if you really boil down what the Great Commission is, it's simply, uh, you know, getting to know God intimately such that he changes you and doing right. what he says and then helping other people do the same. Right. And so it it really does boil down to just being a true, following Jesus in your own life and doing it in front of other people. And of course, if you do that, you're going to have to do lots of love things like all the one another's in scripture, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, eventually, and eventually, you know, as you're praying that God will open their heart, they're going to start asking you questions. Yeah. And at that point in time, it doesn't mean you invite them to church. It means, hey, you tell them why you follow Jesus. Right. Like, you know, right. why do you follow Jesus? Why do you think it'd be a good idea for them to do the same, right? <laughs> and so... Um, I think that that, and so that's the other thing that's happened in churchdom is that we've delegated, or um, what's the word for it? We've uh, abdicated, abdicated our yes. <laughs> responsibility as individual Christ followers to say no. That's what the that's what we pay the pastor to do. That's what we pay the staff to do. Is that my job is just to try to maybe get them to come to a church service, and then those guys will take care of it. Right. And, and maybe, maybe once upon a time, that might have actually been uh, an effective process, but now it's not. Yeah, like, and I think it's, it's becoming less and less of an yeah. effective process because, you know, you have, you know, believers in, in apathy mm-hmm. <laughs> and spiritual atrophy, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they're, they're, not, they're not exercising. You know, uh, right. Hebrew says that, man, it seems like we got to teach you again the basic principles. You know, yep. you should be by now you should be teachers. That's scary for some people that Very that scary. you're supposed to grow up and then be able to teach your neighbor, your, yeah. your cousin, your co-worker. You know, uh, for me, it's always been interesting because wherever I've worked, wherever I've lived. I've built relationships with people that ended up giving them the opportunity to know Christ, no matter where I have lived. And I thought that that was the normal Christian life. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> I, you know, I thought that, yeah, isn't everybody doing this? Like, no. How yeah. come everywhere you go, 
you know, people are coming to know Jesus. People are eventually get, and I, and I love how you said that early on, eventually, mm-hmm, you know, eventually. getting saved, getting to know Jesus, following Christ. And yeah. a lot of them, uh, and, and I remember at the time I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't pastoring. I didn't have a church, but I felt like this is the way we're supposed to be living. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so why don't people think that they're supposed to live their life on that mission? Why do they think I go to church, I check that box, I went to a Bible study, I checked that box, and now the rest of my life belongs to me? <laughs> right, right. Well, it, a lot of that is just we kind of compartmentalize, right? <laughs> yes. And we we think we're doing our duty. We got the Jesus sticker on our car. You know, maybe we have a couple Bible verses on our wall. We say grace before dinner, you know, that kind of stuff. And again, it's not that it's not well-meaning, right? but unfortunately the system, the institutional church system by default feeds into this mindset. And that's because of the constant pressure to one, go to church and two, invite people to church. Right. Because it, it really, unfortunately, and I so feel bad for pastors in this situation that want to be missional, because ultimately you get a building. Now you got a mortgage payment, you got staff payments, and it does sadly boil down to money. And no matter how well-meaning a pastor may be, they know that X number of people in the seats equals our bills paid. Like it's in the back of the mind. They bury right. it deep. And again, they don't, it's not on purpose. Right. I'm not saying that and not bad people, but being a pastor, I know this, this was a struggle because like, you know, you want to preach the word, you want to be convicting, you want to hold people accountable, but you know what? People might leave and, <laughs> and that's, you know, it's just, and there, so there's that, that line we got to walk. And so the institutional church itself feeds into this kind of separation or no, you ha- it's just what, it's what the Catholic church did, right? It's like, no, you have to be part of this church to even be a Christian. Right, right. And so church and all the things that go along with it somehow have come to be the definition of what it means to be a Christian instead of it being mission. Yeah. And so, and so sadly, yeah, it's talked about, but this, and, and I've talked about this before is that the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, unfortunately has turned into our minds, this idea of go make disciples of all those nations over there. Right. Right, right. You know, Czechoslovakia and Afghanistan and, you know, wherever else. Like, he wasn't actually talking about nations as in countries. He was literally saying all different ethnicities. Right, like people, people types groups. Of, yeah. Types of people. Yeah. And he also didn't say go. That wasn't the command. He actually said, well, once you leave here, disciple all kinds of people. Right. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. So I've kind of turned it into everywhere you go disciple everyone like that that's what you're supposed to do yeah yeah but we don't we don't talk about that in church you know in church unfortunately discipling and the great commission turn into invite people to church invite people to church and this we're gonna and this alleviates my responsibility exactly you know i I, i'm you know i remember i I went to a church and and i spoke um and (laughs) i thought it was a really good message but the response was, what? You know, and, and, <laughs> yeah. my, and my topic, you know, was from First John chapter 2 and verse 6, where he says, if you abide in him, then you ought to walk 
as he walked. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the drive of this message was preach what he preached, you mm -hmm. know, pray what he prayed, live mm -hmm. how he lived, you know, yeah. worship how he worshiped and do this in the everyday flows of your life. Yep. Now, I think the, the message bombed because I didn't promise any blessings. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't say, you know, how this is going to make your business grow. All right. You know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't have any, but I was telling you how to go and yeah. live the life that Jesus died that you might have. Right. Yep. He died. Yep. And now our job is to live for him. Right. He's not here right. physically, but he's supposed to be the, the, the resurrection is supposed to be shown in our life. And so he's exactly. supposed to be alive in us. And if he was here, what would he be doing? Right? right. And so part of what he would be doing is that he would be reaching out to the people around him wherever he yeah. was. You know, yeah. one of the things that, you know, I, and and people said I was radical. And I was like, this is not radical. No, this is this is really. It's pretty I, basic. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty basic. If I live in this apartment complex, God, I'm praying for opportunities to have conversations right. with the people around me. I'm praying for opportunities, you know, uh to to pray for people. I'm praying for opportunities to be put yeah. in and I can tell you story after story of people who are living for for Christ right now that I met just in the ebb and flow mm -hmm. of life. You know, mm -hmm. and before they ever went to church, they were being discipled. Yeah. Before they yeah. ever became a part of the gathering, you know, which is the ecclesia, yeah. the called out ones, the gathering, they were already because making disciples so many, so often is thought of as um, going to a street corner, right? Right. <laughs> and holding right, up a right. sign, and but it's really yep. about doing life on life. Right. You know, that's another unfortunate thing is that is. So I really like getting into the Greek of things. So I always just I study that kind of stuff. And so the Great Commission, first of all, he didn't say go. He said, you know, once you leave here, having gone, disciple. He didn't say make disciples. Now, might be splitting hairs, but, you know, to disciple someone is how a disciple is made, obviously. Right. But when we Americans here make disciples, we think of it, 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 it translates in our head as kind of this one-time transaction. Right. Hey, what did you do today? Well, I made a disciple. I made Ooh, a disciple. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, and it never was. It's a process. It's a, it's a continuous process. That's why he says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them, those are called present participles, which are continuous actions that right. never stop. Nice. Yes. And so to make disciples or to disciple people is a continuous process that never actually ends. And it's also and so I think one of the things that happens and I know I'm, I've been guilty of this, too, and I've heard many others in my church before, is that, you know, they feel like they don't know enough. Right. They don't know enough. They can't say all the right words. And but you know what? The truth is, is that like neither did the disciples. Right. <laughs> right. Neither did the apostles. Like, but you know what they did? They, you know what Jesus told them to do? He said, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit he said, you're, you. you're going to stand in front of kings. <laughs> yes. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words when you need them. It's like, you know what? If believers really believe that, if yes. they really like knew that, you know what? If I just live this way, if I just like love my neighbors 
as I love myself, right? If I just spend time with them and I help them with things that need helping and I invite them over to dinner and I let my kids, I just like just find ways to love people. No strings attached, no like, you know, ulterior motive of right. like, oh, by the way, come to this Easter egg. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. just love people. It's going to be so bizarre in their life because guess what? The selfish, self-centered, sinful world does not do that. Yeah. Yeah. This is why we have six foot fences around our houses, right? This is why we don't have front porches anymore because the, the culture at large is selfish and self-centered and it's a, everyone's out for themselves. And so if you are become a person who's not out for yourself, you're actually out for them, that you look for ways to be kind and generous. Like it's going to weird them out. They're going right. to wonder what's wrong with you. Exactly. <laughs> and then as the Holy Spirit, remember this, and this isn't just a human game. Like the Holy Spirit is the one who works on people. Jesus himself, that no one said himself, said no one can come to me unless the father draws them and enables them. Right. In other words, we can't save anyone. Right. God himself has to unlock their heart and draw them to himself using the Holy Spirit and in that process, as you are then being that light, you're now oozing the Holy Spirit in your life. Right. The Holy Spirit that's working on them is going to say, hey, y'all two need to meet. Right. <laughs> and then he's going to spark a conversation. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit does the talking. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say in those moments. And, but your job before then is you do got to get the word in your head. Right. Like. This doesn't mean you can just be like, oh, well, I'm saved. I got the Holy Spirit. I don't need to do anything. Like, no, you need to know God's word. Right. <laughs> like, you need to get it in your head. You need to be spending time with other believers. You need to be talking to God. And what will happen is as you say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice, right, that he will then use you. He will give you the words to say in the moment that is just what that person needs to hear. Not necessarily like a fully laid out Romans Road treatise on right, uh, right, right. you know salvation <laughs> right. and, and atonement and redemption and all that stuff. Right, like it's just right. like it might just be why do you follow Jesus? Right. Well, here's what he did for me. Here's what I used to be and what I am now, and here's how he he's there for me when I need him. And oh yeah, he's forgiven all my sins, <laughs> you know. And like and if the Holy Spirit's working. In that moment, that other person will get it. Yes, yes. But if he, if the Holy Spirit's not, it doesn't matter how perfectly well you can explain these things, they're not going to get it. Right. And and, and as no? the Apostle Paul said, he said, I planted, Apollos uh -huh. watered, but God yeah. gives the increase. And the planter yeah. and the water, they're the same. You know, yeah, they're, they're just not. doing their part. It doesn't and 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 we may not know what part of the process that we're no. in for a lot of people. Now, here's something, yeah. and, and when you were talking, and I actually wanted to ask you this earlier, but you went right into it anyway, which is great. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he says, he's, he says, and lo, I will be with you always, yes. right? That when you are in the process of, quote unquote, making disciples, right? You know, that process mm. of making disciples, that process that's when God is most with you. That's when Jesus yeah. is most with you because, and, and I said this to somebody and, and they kind of looked at me funny. It's like, Jesus doesn't need to be with you. <laughs> if you're just going to go to the job and punch the clock and go home. But, yeah. but if your goal 
is to be a light on that job, he's yeah. going to be with you. That that's when yeah. that's when these amazing things are going to happen because you went in to that job not just to make money, yeah. but to be a light on that job. You know, yeah. and, and I've had incredible opportunities to share. You know, I was working at a high school. I actually had a chance to share the gospel with a Satan worshiper. Ooh, wow! You yeah. know, they had their 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 <laughs> Satan Bible and everything, and wow, yeah. just because I'm walking. You know, yeah. with the idea that I'm here, you know, uh -huh. to bring people into right relationship, lead people to Christ, to take their hand, put it in his hand and then step back and say, right. have a relationship with him. I was able to yeah. have a conversation with a young lady who was sitting there with her Satan Bible. <laughs> I don't even know how the wow. conversation started, you know, but. We get into, you know, her talking about, well, yeah, here's what it says. And <clears throat> and I don't understand with you Christians, you know, according to the Satan Bible, you know, um, you lose. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I said, how do you, you know, how do you come to that? Well, and she starts bringing up Apollyon and Abaddon and wow, yeah. how they come out of the pit and they start destroying the earth. And I said, oh, did you know that that's in the Bible? She said, what? I said, yeah, Apollyon and Abaddon. That's the, the guy who has the, the key to the, the, the pit, and he comes out. Yeah. He's like, that's in the Bible? I said, yeah, that's a part of the end times. And those who don't know Christ, they're going to suffer during that time. Um, well, I thought that's Christian suffering. He said, no. You know, I, said, yeah. I said, no. He said, well, you know, uh, I said, have you ever heard of Beelzebub? She says, yeah. He's, he's the prince of demons. He's right here. I was like, do you know that that's mentioned in the Bible? You know, and it's just like you said, you have to know the word. Yeah. And God, but it, comes just, to you. it just comes. It's like, how do you get yeah. into this conversation? People, yeah. people ask me all the time. How are you getting into these conversations with people? It's because I'm living life on mission. Yes, it's like, yeah. I know yes, why sir. I'm here. If I'm at this job, somebody yeah. is supposed to come to know Jesus, even if it's just yeah. one person. Somebody's supposed, and I may be talking to that person for weeks or months. And, and finally, you know, I had the opportunity to actually share because we would have these conversations yeah. and she would be so blown away that I know anything about what she's talking about. Uh -huh. But it's like you said, the Holy Spirit, that's when uh, he's most at work. Mm -hmm. When you're doing yeah. the work that you were ordained to do, and that's yeah. go and make disciples. Yeah, and that's really the truth is is that you know as as the Roman says that is our true and proper worship, like that that is what you know we we like our music and we like to kind of get lost in those moments when the music's all good and stuff, but that's nothing right compared to when you when you look back on a conversation with someone you're like oh wow that wasn't me <laughs> that wasn't me <laughs> that wasn't me like I. How did I know all that stuff? How did I say that? And then the, the way that, like, this, there's just nothing like it in the world when you actually are used by God. And the thing is, is like, this is not some upper level, higher order right. Christianity. Like, this is what God, this is what the Holy Spirit does in any human being that is willing to let him work. I mean, just look, I, I, you look at Peter and you look at Paul and these guys. And like, Peter, if you, if you follow the disciples... I mean, it really wasn't until Pentecost that any of them really got it. 
Right. <laughs> like, even the first chapter of Acts, they're saying, all right, Jesus, is this like when you're going to, like, bring do, the kingdom, like, right? Hulk smash and take over the kingdom? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> He's like, no, guys, no, stop asking about that. But guess what? You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you'll be my witnesses in all these places. And they're just like, okay, Jesus, whatever you say. Sure, right. And so they, <laughs> and so they didn't do anything. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And what does Peter do? He gives this marvelous sermon. The dude couldn't put two words together before that. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's a fisherman. Come on. <laughs> he is a fisherman. And like we, we, we saint him and all this stuff. We're like, no, if you just look at these guys, if you read through the Gospels, they didn't get it. Yeah. They were fumbling. They were, who's going to be the greatest? And they're like, he's telling <laughs> hey, I'm going to go die and rise again. They're like, what? You know, they just, it didn't. They didn't understand at all. Right. They couldn't. They couldn't do it, so it wasn't their power. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit comes, and these guys become, like, amazing, amazing people that just do amazing things. Why? It's because it's the Holy Spirit. And, you you know, Mm. we we lose that. We we think the Holy Spirit, depending on your denomination, either he doesn't exist. Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) Or he's this guy that wants to make you feel good all the time. Right. Make you speak in tongues or Exidy, whatever else Ecstasy it is. and, you know. <laughs> but no, the Holy Spirit is God himself who is the one at work in this world to reconcile the lost to him. And he doesn't do it in this, like, wind-blowing way. He does it through the individuals like you and me that just say, Lord, I'll be your mouthpiece. But he doesn't give us the words ahead of time. He doesn't. Like, give us the game plan. He doesn't lay out a calendar and say, all right, on this day, I need you to prepare this speech. Right, for the, right, no. right. It's always in the moment, it, and, he, and he just does it. Like, I, I can tell you this, even talking to you right now, like, I didn't plan anything for this. <laughs> right, <you know>? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, now, in my podcast, I do, because otherwise I sound like a bumbling idiot, but I do kind of like write something <laughs> out. But when I'm just having conversations with people, I'm I'm always blown away personally. Even though I've been doing this for a little while, I'm always blown away personally at the things that come out of my mouth. <laughs> right. I, and I'm and I, and I walk away from it like, wow, God, like that had to be you because had to be. It wasn't me, and it, you know what? And if, the thing is, is that so many church people never experience that because they think the experience with God is isolated to that thing they do at the building on Sunday and it's so sad that that is the full extent of their experience and when someone challenges them to live beyond that it's like what yeah like hold on you know I'll just bring them to church and you preach to them and you have them pray the sinner's prayer and they got saved and (laughs) right and 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 that's not really the that's not really the process The, the no. this is this is this is mm-hmm. a process. It's it's not it a is. close the deal. It's not like you know you know fill out some paperwork and you're going to heaven, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, it's one of these things that you know the the greatest growth that I've ever seen in in any person was over time. There are things mm-hmm. that you have read and you probably have experienced this too. You read five years ago. Mm-hmm. That you read today and it's like, I finally got it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I read that before and it never made this kind of sense. That's kind of how our journey is in our walk yeah. with Christ. We're forever growing to a place where, 
Oh, now. So if you thought that you had everything when you prayed the sinner's prayer, you know, yeah. <laughs> if that's a such thing. But yeah, if, right. if, if you know, you prayed the sinner's prayer, then you're, you're sadly mistaken because are. there are some yeah. things that you're not even going to get until you're discipling someone else. Yep. There's things that aren't even yep. going to make sense. You know, I tell people that they're robbing. You're actually cheating or robbing yourself when yeah. you're not discipling some. I asked a group of people, you know, in our church, and I said, all right, so who are you discipling? I'm like, ooh. Uh, right. right. Well, um, I said, don't answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't answer. Think about it. And get back on track. Because like you said, who's holding us accountable? To live for this. Nobody. Nobody. And so, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times, and I have nothing against larger churches because I believe if it, it takes, it would take a lot of work, but I believe mm -hmm. the, the larger churches, they could be producing mass mm -hmm. armies of disciplers, I right? Really if if, the, really if that could. was the real focus, right? You know, yeah. in, in, in the smaller, smaller churches, sometimes it's more about controlling people mm -hmm. than sending mm -hmm. people. And that's a weird thing too. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, everybody come and listen yeah. to me, not, right. Hey, let me equip you to be able to reach that person. I love having yeah. conversations with members of the church. It's like, yeah. And I'm, I'm having this discussion uh, with, with my uncle, you know, and, mm -hmm. and how do I, you know, reach them? I feel like those are the kind of conversations yeah. that I want to be having. Yeah. It's helping you reach yeah. those people in your environment, in, in your sphere, yeah. as Paul called it. You know, I'm not boasting beyond my sphere. You know, right. I'm, I'm right there where God wants me. Yeah, I think one of the challenges that is in the church culture is that we're impatient. We want quick results. We don't, I mean, and again, it's not, it's nothing wrong with us. It's just our human nature, Right especially our American nature. <laughs> right. And we want quick results. We want statistics. Like how many people did you baptize this year and how many salvation cards did yeah, you get turned in? It's it like, you know what? That's the problem is we want this to be microwave. We want just some sort of quick way that I can talk with someone and 15 minutes later, they're a Christian. Right. Like, or, or, or even like maybe it'll take three months. Like we'll do a, <laughs> we'll do a small group. And we'll do it over three months, once a week. We'll meet together, and we'll do some Bible talk. And by the end of that three months, they'll be a Christian. Right. Right? But that's not how it works. No. Like, it actually doesn't work that way. It's very slow. I mean, and the problem is, is we got to really think about our own selves. Like, how long does it take me to change? Right. Just a how little thing. How long does it take me to change? <laughs> Just a little thing, you know. What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so we look at other people and think, oh, well, we can just get a quick win out of this one. No, 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 no. And that's the beautiful thing about God is that he's patient with us. Yes. Like, he is a gentleman. Like, he doesn't He doesn't expect, there's a few people in the history of the world that he kind of, like, did something quick with, you know, like Paul, right? But for most people, he kind of, like, boils the frog effectively you know he like well, takes time with us well even with changes paul, us over time yeah. even, even with paul there were events that yeah. were chipping away right i mean when you think about yeah. it there were events yeah. that were chipping away yeah. at the at the outer veneer you know before yeah. that damascus road experience yeah. that paul realized as soon as jesus showed up lord 
<laughs> it's like, right. how did he know? I always ask that question. Like, how did he know that that was the Lord? You know, right. Right. And, 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 and it's because I feel like he was in the process, too. We, must have been some things. Going yeah, on there were some there. things yeah. going on. So even that is not just boom. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. All of us go through our process. All of us, the Lord is working on us. And that's why we have to be a part of the process of the Lord working on somebody right. else. How are we yeah. a part of that process? How are right. How is God using us or moving through us in making disciples? He told, uh, Paul told Timothy, you know, that there's going to come a time where people aren't going to, you know, want to listen to sound doctrine. They're going to heap for themselves teachers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with, they'll have itching ears. But the final thing he says to him in, in that passage is that uh, go do the work of an evangelist yep. and fulfill your ministry. Right. Yep. He's telling Timothy, the pastor. To get on your gospel shoes and go do the work of an evangelist, go right. and preach the gospel because. Everybody needs to know it. Everybody needs Everybody. to experience yeah. it. And so, yeah. um, man, we could talk for hours. <laughs> we really could. <laughs> uh, and, and we probably will after this is over. <laughs> you know? But um, some things that that you would feel like people need to consider if they're going to live missionally. You know, for mm-hmm. you, you're learning some things. What are some things that you feel like this should be a high consideration for you if you're going to actually start this journey to live missionally. Well, you have to, number one, or you, you got to be connected with the vine. I mean, you, you can't do this outside of abiding in the vine. You got to be in the word. You got to be in conversation with God, open your heart to him to lead. Because after that, honestly, like I could come up with lots of plans, but if he's not the one doing it, then it's for moot. And then just be be active, like go outside, you know, like in your front yard, not your backyard. Like see someone at the mail, like be just find ways to meet people. Like, and I know that some people are natural at that. I'm actually more of an introvert. So it's a little bit of a challenge (laughs) for me to like do that kind of thing. And so just, you know, just do it. Start taking steps. Don't. Don't feel like you have to wait until you have it all figured out and you got this really strong game plan. Like, just know that, you know what? What did Jesus say? He says, I have all authority in heaven on earth and I'm going to be with With you. you. Yes. (laughs) Like, all authority in heaven on earth, I'm going to be with you. So guess what? You're You're not doing this alone or in your own power. And so you don't have to worry about it. It's no pressure. It's totally relational. It's God driven from beginning to end. And so just just do it. Just do it. And, you know, another thing is just focus on loving people. You know, where they're at, you're going to meet people that are very different from you. Your job is not to fix them. Your job is to love them. And don't be in a hurry. Yeah. I think that's really the main thing that I – personally, I'm an impatient person. So God's working <laughs> on my, my – uh, you know, it, it might take years, years. And so when someone asks you, hey, who are you discipling? You can say, well, I have this neighbor here and that neighbor there, and we've been friends for about two years, yeah. and you're discipling them. Like that, yes, discipling isn't, well, we meet for coffee every week and we do Bible study. That's, that's not, that can be a that's phase a, of discipleship. That's a part of it, right? It's a part that's of it. That's yeah. like, 
you might get to that eventually, but really you're anyone that you're interacting with on a regular basis where you're intentionally praying that God will save them. Yes. And then, lo- and then relating to them in love, like you're discipling them. You're, you're rubbing off on them and you're, you're praying and hoping eventually they'll ask the question. Maybe you've had conversations about Jesus. Yeah. And so I think part of it is you really got to rethink your, your concept of discipleship, of what it means to be discipling someone. And that happens to be exactly what I just talked about in my last podcast and the one I'm publishing today as well, is that it really is, the problem is, is that in our churches, we think of this as such a daunting task. Yeah, We think of it as this program or this overseas thing or this big things that the professionals do because they went to college and got a degree for it. But no, it's really just each of us, who have the Holy Spirit in us, living it out, and because we love, you know, we we know God intimately, we do what He says, and then we help other people do the same. It's like we do, like yeah. it really is simple. And so don't don't think of it as this huge thing. Don't think of it as something that you have to go and do. Just realize you are doing it, right. like in your relationships. And here, here's the here's the real kicker. And this is where. Some people should get convicted. I know I was at some time. It's like, you are discipling people whether you intend to or not. Or not. Yes. Yes. Now, the difference is in which direction Yes. are you discipling them. Yes. Because how we live is going to either be a great witness to the truth of the gospel, or it's going to be a great anti-witness that pushes people away. Because they see that you claim to be this Christian, you go to church on Sunday, but you treat them like crap. Mm. Or you ignore them, or you cheat at work, or whatever else it is. No, you have to live it out because people are watching you. Yeah. And so it's better to live it out intentionally than accidentally <laughs> and end up making a fool of yourself. So, yeah, those are, I guess those are some things I would say. And I think those are, those are great considerations, um, and those are all things that, in, in my journey, I, I, I believe they're 100% true. They're 100 percent true um, about the, the, the life, you know, of what I thought was a yeah. regular Christian until I started, you know, polling people around me like you. So you don't have these situations. Yeah. You don't have these moments. You don't have these. You're, you're not, you know, working with this person and, you know, right. you know, you're not developing this relationship. You're not, you know, to the point where, like you said, eventually somebody said, well, where do you go to church? That right. was like something right. that happened later on. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, well, I go over here or at that time, um, I was I, I didn't have a church. I said, man, I'm doing a Bible study at my house. Well, can I come mm-hmm. to me? That was amazing. It was like, wow, yeah. God, you worked on this person's heart till they <laughs> wanted to come and be a part of what. And, and I think right. that is the winsome that is what's attractive, not the attractional yeah. church that we're talking about with light stage and, right. you know, like, hey, you got to come to my church. We got a rock right. and band. We, exactly. Like, well, but, but did, did so? they? But they have. But did they? Were they? Were they connected with Jesus or your church? Right. You know. You know. Right. And, and something right. that we we didn't get a chance to talk to, and I'm a, you know, wrap it up here is that the you, you talked about you know two or three things that you know we ought to be careful of. I think one thing is making our pastor into this rock star. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's too much pressure on him. 
way too much. You know, because now he's <laughs> got to be the incarnation mm. of Christ. He's got to float in on clouds, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and have this wonderful word for when, no, his job is to equip you right. to do right. ministry. <laughs> his job is to edify the body as a whole yeah. to bring unity. So you're supposed to go reach that person in your apartment complex. Exactly. He, he reached you. Now you go reach someone else, you know, yeah. and then teach that person that, Hey, you're going to go off and you're going to, you might work at a separate job or you, you might have separate family members. You reach them. Yeah. Right. And if we're yeah. doing that, the, the, the gospel is, is being spread. It's happening the mm -hmm. way it's supposed to happen. And we're making an impact. And that yeah. statistic that you talked about earlier drops significantly. Right. Because it's actually happening in the ebbs and flows of life. Amen. So, Daniel, man, this has been powerful. I pray that people would stop and really digest what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Could you pray for our lis listeners um, to have that encounter with God that they understand that my life is supposed to be on a mission. I'm, I'm supposed to be living life on a yeah. mission for Christ. Um, and, yeah. you know, just ask God to reveal that, you know? Yeah, Amen. absolutely. Lord God, you are awesome. You are holy. You are mighty. You are powerful. And we worship you. There is none like you. And so, Lord, you've given us this mission. You've filled us with your Holy Spirit. It's you literally living inside each one of us, Lord. And you know the, the Scripture says, "Don't grieve the Holy Spirit." And Lord, I think we grieve you when we when we close ourselves off to the people around us. Lord, you you want us to walk about like you. You want us to touch the people around us and not not be in a in a hurry to convert them, but to just just love them, Lord. And so I pray that anyone who's listening to this. That, Lord, you will just convict them, but not, not make them feel bad, Lord. Just give them the, the empower them. Give them a desire and, and a love for people that they will just start living intentionally this way and, and, and help them know that you are with them, that you will equip them. And if they will just trust you and step out of the boat, so to speak, Lord, that you will do the work for them and through them, and they will get to see mighty, mighty things that they otherwise would not see. And so, Lord, I just thank you that you have called us, that you have equipped us, that you have empowered us, and uh, that you're with us as we do this, Lord. And I pray that your kingdom will come and that it will grow and that there will be more people that join this and uh, become disciple makers. And we give you praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Daniel. Uh, man, I'm, I'm glad you took the time to, to be on with me, man. Yeah. Uh, and um, definitely go and, and, and check out uh, Daniel's podcast. Uh, give me the name again for the listeners. It's called Living for an Audience of One. Living. Living for an Audience of One. And it's right here on Anchor Radio, so you can look look him up. Um, Daniel Whitworth and Living for an Audience of One. Um, thanks, man, for coming on. Uh, God bless you and your yeah. family. Uh, to my listeners, remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Thanks for listening today. I pray that this blessed you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.